Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, Grand Final Edition. And it's all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Alongside me, a man who played in the 2001 Grand Final with the mighty Parramatta Reels against the Newcastle Knights and played almost 300 games in total, representing New South Wales. Butes, good morning. Welcome to Grand Final Weekend. And how are you feeling, my friend? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you pumped? Mate, I am all of the above. I cannot wait, Steve. It's probably one of the most anticipated games that I've been waiting to go to since I finished playing, to be honest with you, mate. It is, it's got everything about it. I love what Parramatta did last week and we spoke about it on the show. Um, and we get the chance to talk to Mark O'Neill later in the show uh, about their preparation. But, you know, they're up against the Penrith side. And there's no doubt about they are in red-hot form. They've been the red-hot team for the last three years. Yeah, let's not forget they were down 12-0 against South Sydney and showed some signs of vulnerability. But then second half, it's like a tsunami, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? I I was watching that game intently and I could actually see the momentum change. It was about that 30-minute mark. There was probably about four or five sets. And the try to To'o. To'o. But there was four or five sets there where it was almost like a game of Forsen's back. But Penrith were getting the ascendancy, and you could see South starting to sort of crumble slightly. And then they scored, and then that try to tell uh, just before half time, that was it. They were gone, South Sydney, after that. Yeah, they did pretty well to reach a prelim, didn't they, uh, South Sydney? But, uh, you know, up against Penrith, a juggernaut on the night. Mm. Uh, grand final day looks like this. So the NRL State Championship at 120, that's the Panthers who beat mm. the Bulldogs last week, 29 22 at Combank Stadium. Panthers will play the North's Devils. Now, I believe that's uh, Daryl Broman's old footy club, the North's Devils. Uh, NRLW Grand Final, Knights versus the Eels. How good is that? Unbelievable. The usual suspects got rolled last weekend, the Roosters and St. George Illawarra. Yeah, a couple of upsets there and, uh, you know, a great performance from the NRLW team, Parramatta, in the sense that they, they only won their last game of the season. Uh, and they had to win it for and against and rely on other teams to, <laughs> yeah. to win, lose, and whatever else. But you know what? They're in the final. They beat the Roosters last year, uh, last week who were in red-hot form. Uh, they're going to this uh, grand final, I think, with a fair bit of confidence about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they should have beaten the Knights last time they saw them. Uh, yes. That was up at McDonald Jones Stadium. 7.30, the NRL grand final, Panthers versus the Eels. The big one, it'll be my... 24th. Wow. So Unbelievable. Yeah. Battle of the West, how big is it going to be? And obviously, right now, we get the chance to discuss it with uh, local legend, uh, Tony Clark. Clark, are you yeah, there, mate? Yeah, yeah, we'll go to him in Ooh, just a hold moment. Hold on, hold on. I want to roll in some audio oh, first of course. from the Dally M's. So we've had a Central Coast boy win the Dally M medal. Ooh. And not only win it, he's annihilated the field with the highest vote count or highest points in the history of the Dally M's. Nico Hines with 38. Here's a little bit of his audio from the other night with Yvonne Sampson, and it's courtesy of Fox Sports and also KO. Oh, I can't believe it, to be honest. Um, I come here so not very confident one bit. Um, I thought Benny Hunt was taking it out for sure, and, or, or Teddy. And, um, you know, I just come here tonight just extremely grateful to be here with, surrounded by great players. And, you know, five years ago, I was sitting at home watching this and never, I was only dreaming about being here. I didn't even think I'd ever be here. And, yeah, I, honestly, I've just come here just expecting to have a good night and catch up with some old friends, really. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I've got so many people to thank. I don't know if you're going to ask me another question or I'll keep going, but... <laughs> You'll get plenty of time. Let's just keep moving because you, you mentioned it's been a dream of yours. You were just kicking back, relaxing and watching nights like this on TV. Now you're front and centre. You've had some pretty significant moments in your life. How does tonight rate? Oh, yeah, it's very up there. You know, I'd probably rather be playing in the grand final like these guys are, um, but... You know, this is, I guess, the next best thing. And you don't really play for the individual awards, but, um, yeah, it's an honour. It's an honour to be here. And uh, I got to do it with my mum tonight, who means the absolute world to me. And, um, yeah, I can't, I can't thank her enough. So that is Nico Hines. Uh, what are your thoughts, Buttes, and what a season? Let's not forget, like, he even said in that speech just then that years ago he was actually watching this from his lounge room because, you know, he was the 17th man with Melbourne. Yeah, look, I, I love the humility of uh, Nico Hines. And, and, you know, we've had him on the show on numerous occasions and you can just tell uh, how humble he is about what he does. And, you know, he appreciates the fact that he's, um, you know, Craig Fitzgibbon brought him to the club and, and put a lot of faith in him. And he has repaid that in bucket loads. And, uh, you know, he's had an outstanding year. Um, I guess when you look at the way the season played out for the Sharks, uh, especially the back end of the season, he was accumulating points at that back end, as was uh, uh, Tedesco, because uh, those teams started to get on runs. But he clearly was the best player for the Sharks throughout the season, uh, which enabled him to, to keep accumulating that points. And 38 points, highest in the history of the Delams. Yeah, incredible. And I still remember speaking to Jack Gibson once, and he said something about Terry Lamb. He said... The sign of a great player is everyone around him plays well. So I feel like Matt Moylan had one of his best years that we've seen in recent memory. Yes, I and agree. some of those outside backs that we've kind of, you know, Sissy Fatalikai lifts. You know, so everyone in that shark side had a fantastic year, and yeah, they just fell at the last hurdle, didn't they? Yeah, look, I, I don't think they'd be disappointed with their season. Right, to be honest with you, they've had a great year, uh, and sure, the final series they went out in straight sets, but. Um, from where they were at the start of the year, they've got something to build on for 2023. Yeah, I love too that Nico said on the night about his pathway because don't forget he went through far north Queensland through yeah. the, like the Mackay Cutters and he said don't give up. He had a message. His speech was one of the best on the night apart, along with Todd Payton yeah. and he said to young players, he said if you're battling away in reserve grade, hang in there because it can change very quickly. Uh, let's go to this man online, a two-time premiership winner with both Wyong and also the Woi Woi Roosters. TC, you'd know Nico better than any of us here in this uh, studio. Tell us more about the young man from the peninsula. Yeah, good morning, gents. Uh, yeah, just uh, so proud of him uh, on Thursday night or, or Wednesday night, I think, when it was, Steve. You know, the, from where he's come from, you alluded to, you know, that he, he, he's taken the, the long road um, to, to get where he has. And, and I was very fortunate to, to have a couple of years with Nick Hart Manley. We did a lot of travelling together and uh, and a lot of uh, soul-searching in the in the Ute and the F3. So, uh, uh, you know, knowing his story and, 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 and where he's come from and... Uh, uh, and how, uh, you know, he just, uh, as you said, the humility he showed on Wednesday night. To be, you know, like, it's quite incredible, isn't it, to be the, the highest point score ever, you know, like in 43 years of the Dally M's. It's, uh, yeah, just a, a, a crowning glory for him. And I know that, um, you know, he, his career is only just beginning, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's upwards and onwards from here. Yeah, certainly. And uh, a beautiful moment. He had his mum there in the room as well. And there were a lot of tears shed on the night. Uh, TC... The big one on Sunday. How are you feeling? I can only imagine what it's like in the Golden West right now, uh, 24 hours out from the grand final. 
Yeah, it is. It's, uh, as, as Michael said, Steve-O, it's, it's the grand final that, um, that we've been waiting for. You know, the, the Battle of the West have had a, a wonderful rivalry for, you know, from the 80s when Power on top and, and, and the Panthers were probably, you know, down down a little bit from the 90s when the Panthers are on top. You know, so, yeah, it's just, it's just got the, the hallmarks of, uh, of a wonderful game. And I think, you know, both teams are in great form. Um, you know, my heart said, being an, an ex-Parramatta boy, my, my heart says Parramatta, but, but probably my head, you know, leans towards Penrith. I like the change, Clarky, with Nathan Brown coming in for Parramatta uh, as number 17. I think he just adds so much to that side. So someone always misses out. There's always a, a hard luck story, isn't there? Yeah, no, there always is. And I think I think it would be remiss of us too. You know, I, I, as I said, I, I, I love that change. I think that... Uh, you know, if if the Eels are to be successful, which which they're more than capable of, but I mean, it, it's going to be around that you know shutting Ivan's kicking down, where we have seen you know when he when he is pressured, you know, Origin was a case in point. A couple of games at Penrith got beat, only lost two games, but you know if you can pressurise Nate with his kicking and, and, and limit his options, uh, it certainly goes a long way to, uh, to to beating the Panthers. Hey boys, can I get both of your opinions? Last week watching Penrith live against South Sydney. Now, they'll get this right, Parramatta, but I, I think the key, I mean, they've got so many threats, mm. uh, you know, the left edge, Philly Army, kick out, but I reckon it's Dylan Edwards. I think around the middle of the ruck. He was phenomenal last week, and his numbers his numbers were off the charts. I think he was uh, over 200 metres with about 20 minutes to play. You know what? It's interesting about Dylan Edwards, and, and you know, plenty of teams have tried to stop him, right? And we saw a couple of weeks ago the Roosters deny uh, Latrell Mitchell. You know, put the high kicks and, and stopped him from you know being overly active in the game, right? Yeah. And, and probably similar last weekend, where he didn't play a major role, you nullify his impact. Correct. I don't know how you nullify a player like Dylan Edwards, right? Because he is so good on at catching the ball on the full, uh, so good at just getting involved. His his numbers will always be around that 200, 250. Because uh, what about his tackle breaks? Yeah, right. Because his carries, he's constantly you know involved in the game, and he's probably the fittest fullback in the game. That's why he's got the ability to get those numbers up and, and keep you know, getting his hands on the ball as often as he does. I, I don't know, Clark, I'd be interested from your perspective, uh, you know, a coaching perspective, what do you do to nullify his impact? Oh, I think, Michael, again, you know, goes without saying completion, but I think Parramatta's strength is just that short, sharp passing over the top of the ruck, the power game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they, if they, you know, like that one metre part, I think that was evident with with uh, Campbell Gillard's tries last week, the couple. Yes. You know, don't forget, they were, they were only comp- completing around 46, 50% last week. You know, so to, to go against a, a champion team in the Cowboys and, and, and come away with a victory is an outstanding effort. But I think if they control the footy, get the power game happening, you know, and, and mate, you're kicking to a corner. As you said, you don't want him catching it on the full. You're kicking to a corner and, 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 and just presenting a, a, a line that, um, you know, doesn't have a step in it. So you, you're forward, you bang, and, and, and get some numbers in those early tackles. Yeah, and it's going to be the key for the Parramatta side. They, they really need to start well and start strong because I think once he's Penrith side, if they do get in front, especially at half time, I think their record is almost impeccable uh, once they're leading at half time. Um, Clarky, I look at um, the balance of the sides. Um, there are some really good contests there, uh, starting with the halfbacks, of course, uh, in. Moses uh, up against Cleary. The two hookers, I, I think, I, I love Reed Money. I think he's an outstanding yeah. hooker. Uh, Abby Karasai will come on at some stage. And of course, the big boppers, uh, we've got <laughs> Barlow, 
Yeah. Uh, is that how you pronounce it, Steve? Yeah, well, I think it's Barlaw bar now. Bar-law it's now, with a B. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll work on that. Oh, it looks like a P to me, but anyway. Uh, and then you've got uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, who's in outstanding form. Fisher-Harris um, up the front for the Panthers. There are some seriously good battles. Sean Lane, kick out. My goodness, it just keeps rattling on and on and on. Yeah, it certainly does, doesn't it? You, you could get through the whole 17. Yeah. Uh, Michael liked that. And, and uh, yeah, you know, there's a struck match between them. I, I think, again, it'll just come down to, uh, like, I'm loving I'm loving looking at Parramatta, you know, with the, the grand final uh, presentation yesterday in Martin Place. They just look relaxed. They're, they're, they're soaking it in, enjoying the moment. And, uh, and and I'm just hoping that, you know, that, that carries through. I, I, I heard with interest that, you know, they're not having a camp. They're not going away to stay anywhere. They're just staying in their bed Saturday night and uh, and, and turning it as normal, not even having a captain's run, um, you know, at the stadium. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting take on that, which is something that I agree with. I, I think that, it, that it'll hold them in, uh, in pretty good stead. But, again, when you're coming back to the Panthers, any team, any team that does three in a row, mate, you, you're going okay, Michael, aren't you? And what a year the Panthers have had. SG Ball winners, yep. Jersey Flag winners, New South Wales Cup winners. Yep. You know, like it's it's quite they I, – I, I could be wrong here, but I think that if the NRL win on Saturday uh, Sunday night, um, it's the only time in 113 years that, that the four major competitions have been won by the one club. Yep. Yeah, that, that is staggering, isn't it? And TC, I'd like to get your thoughts on Coach of the Year because – I thought it was awesome that Todd Payton won it, and his his speech was very entertaining and insightful. But I've got to th- I've got to say that Ivan wins the minor premiership with three rounds to go, which I think that's almost unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Like what a season at all levels, like you just said. Yeah, it certainly is. It um, even on completely different levels. The, the coach of the minor premiership team very very seldom gets a a coach of the year job. I think it's very very. Uh, well deserved by Todd, and I, I thought his speech, you know, was outstanding. Um, and, and let's also mention Johnny Strange. What an achievement by John! You know, like the the NRLW Coach of the Year. You know, absolutely yeah. outstanding by Strangey. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, I would have lent towards Ivan because I think well, was it an eight point uh, six or eight points they've won the minor premiership by. So you know, and absolutely. But again, and and looking at the club as a whole, you know, the holistic approach that he that he brings through is uh, is just you know outstanding. I think the key there also, when you look at what Ivan's done over the last three years, I think, you know, I think their record is something along the lines of 65, 66 wins out of the last 77 games. Like it is just over the last three years, this is Penrith. Got to be close to the best strike rate of all time. Like that Uh, is phenomenal. Maybe with Bellamy and Bennett at their best. Yeah, and then I look at what Todd Payton managed to do with his side. The fact that they... I guess by most experts, we're probably going to be regarded as wooden spooners or at least in yeah. the bottom and, four teams. And now it's a very long off-season for them. They'd be bitterly disappointed to yeah. lead by eight with 20 to go. Yeah, going out the way they did, yeah. It was a disappointment. But again, I, I look at that. That's something to build on. Um, I think they've got some good uh, structures in place and clearly uh, Todd Payton has uh, marked himself down as, as one of those very good coaches in the game. Yeah. Hey, TC, we're getting the wind-up from our producer. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've done through the season. Uh, give us your give us your winner uh, on Sunday night and also the Clive Churchill medalist. Uh, Penrith by eight and Nathan Cleary, Clive Churchill medalist. Back-to-back for Cleary. Yes, I think so, Michael. As I said, my heart heart says para, but my head says, uh, you know, that it's just going to be so difficult to stop the juggernaut. So, uh, yeah, and thanks, boys, for having me on. You know, it is the best sporting show 
on the Central Coast, and uh, I'm proud to be part of it. Yeah, good on you, Clark. Hey, and we've had some great news too with the Danica Clark Foundation. We heard uh, this week that Ryan Green from Terrigal, and now he's in Currumbin Surf Life Saving Club, has won the World Board Paddling Championship for under-19s. Uh, I think that's being held in Italy, so just sensational for a young man from the coast. Oh, it's simply outstanding to wake to the news. Steve-O is, uh, yeah, again, you know, your, your heart swells with pride and, and good on Ryan and uh, looking forward to catching up with him when he, uh, when he returns from Italy. Good on you, TC. Enjoy grand final weekend. Where will you be tomorrow night? I'll certainly be at home in the lounge room on the edge of the seat uh, with my old Hardy Flex jumper on <laughs> and I'm uh, going, going for the eels. And, uh, yeah, you know, miracles can happen, lads. Miracles can happen. Yeah, good on you. TC, Tony Clark joining us, uh, Premiership winning coach on multiple occasions here on the coast. Off to another break. Uh, we're off to our first break of the morning. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. The Bobcat. Andrew Ryan is joining us, 2004 Premiership winner. Mark O'Neill coming up, as Butes alluded to, 2005 Premiership winner, but now the football manager at the mighty Parramatta Reels. We'll also talk some cricket. It's the opening weekend. Gary mm, Birkenshaw. He's back. The guru. The guru. Will join us a little later on this morning. And also Troy Luff. Uh, it's going to be quite traumatic for him, but he'll, he'll unpack what happened last Saturday when Geelong just annihilated the Sydney Swans. Saturdays on the coast. On SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, and it's brought to you by Robson Civil Projects. Grant Robson, the managing director, and his entire team. And Buttes, they're celebrating their 60th anniversary, a legendary local business, but now also in Sydney. They're also right through the Hunter Valley. They're in Dubbo as well, and doing incredible infrastructure projects. And by the way, they're after the best and brightest. So if you see yourself working in construction, in civil Mm. construction in the future, Jump on their website, follow the prompts, and you never know. You could be working for Robson's in the future. Plenty of jobs available for them, and uh, they're a great organisation, been around for 60 years, and really about family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First and foremost, uh, thank you also to McDonald Jones Homes. Thanks again to Tony Clark for joining us just just a moment ago. He's tipping Penrith, but he'd love to see Parramatta get the job done. Of course, and I heard him talking about (laughs) bringing out the old Parramatta jersey. I've got to say, I'm going down to the game, and I've got my my jersey. I've got one of the old jerseys. My son's going to wear it down. Uh, to the game, which I'm really excited about. My daughter, she's coming along as well, and she was there in 2001 as a three-year-old, so it's going to be nice to share that moment with them. And you got one of your best mates going as well. Oh, yeah, Bluey. Bluey, oh, my God. He, he's a <laughs> fanatical Parramatta supporter, and he cannot wait. He was so excited when I rang him earlier in the week to say that I might have scored him a ticket to the GF. Yeah, he, will he be embarrassing? Oh, quite possibly. Is, is, he almost, is he almost like Banya out of Seinfeld? <laughs> yes, he is like Banya out of Seinfeld. But he's good value and he has got um, so much passion for the Eels uh, and that blue and gold. And, uh, mate, I don't know what jersey he'll be wearing. He's got a he's got an old Stan jer- jersey that he wore to Oztag the other day. It was a little bit tight. I don't know whether that was <laughs> uh, – whether he's put on a couple of b- kilos or not. But anyway, he uh, – he loves the Eels. I'm looking forward to going down there. Yeah, we might give him a buzz a little later in the show. Hey, uh, Buttes, the best performance worldwide in the last week is undoubtedly the Berlin Marathon. Uh, we're just shaking our heads. So, Elliot Chip Kogi, 
one of the greatest athletes, possibly the greatest athlete to ever live, yeah. has smashed his own record. Uh, did you watch it unfold? Because early in the race, I think he had four pacemakers. I, I didn't see it unfold, but it just amazes me to think that he's running sub three-minute kilometres back-to-back 42 times. Like, it is just amazing. I think he's running... 250, 253s consistently. Yeah. Like, that is just amazing. I couldn't do 1K at that. So, with a few kilometres to go, he's run 302, and the commentator said, well, he's starting to slow. And then (laughs) then he did a 311. So, that's his slowest of the entire race. And then, so they're starting to get a little worried. He had, like, a big buffer on his own world record. And then... They've gone, well, he's right back on track. He's punched out a 2.53 in the penultimate, the second last kilometre. Yeah, just phenomenal. And when you think about, Steve, we're now talking, you know, remember the, well, I don't remember, but the four-minute mile was the big barrier to break. Roger right? Bannister, John Landy. Right. So we're now talking about the two-hour marathon, and he's one minute and nine seconds away from being able to do that. And I know that he's beaten the two-hour marathon previously, but it wasn't a sanctioned event. Um, and it might have been all downhill. Who knows? But nevertheless, <laughs> you know, this guy is one minute and nine seconds away. Now, you break that down over 42 Ks. Yeah. It's a second and a half. That is the difference. I mean, how many more marathons does he have? He's mid-30s now. They're kind of speculating. But they say because his preparation is so good, then he's probably got about six to eight Great marathons left in it. Yeah, well, let's uh, hope that he can keep uh, breaking down that mark because uh, it is within sight, that two-hour mark, and uh, just quite phenomenal. Like, seriously, you know, it's jumping on a treadmill at the gym, and this is how I'm going to make it really simple for people at home. You are running at 21 k's an hour on the treadmill. Now, I don't know how long – I don't know whether, A, most people could do that. Secondly, if they can, I can assure you, you won't be doing it for uh, two hours. Yeah, just phenomenal. It is mind-blowing, I'm telling you. Yeah, this is so good. It runs for a couple of minutes, but it's worth uh, it's worth playing this morning because we've seen the greatest in history. Mm. Here it is. One more little dogleg to negotiate. The crowd's going crazy. There is the Brandenburg Gate, and the sunshine has come out in Berlin. We are witnessing something very special indeed here. He goes through the arches in just outside. It will be two hours. 201.39 is the target. He's going to smash the world record under the famous arches of the Brandenburg Gate, built in 1791. And from here, 352 metres to go, less than 60 60 seconds of running. It's less than a lap of the track. All those early starts, all those endurance runs, the tempo runs, the sacrifices that he's made have all come down to this. His wife and children are watching back home in Kenya. The crowds are going crazy. It's history unfolding here on the streets of Berlin in the sunshine. The double Olympic champion is the greatest marathon runner we have ever seen in the history of the event. He's going to get inside the world record. It won't be by a minute, but it will be an appreciable chunk. He has done it again. This is superhuman. This is road running from a different planet here in Berlin Berlin in 2022. Elliot Kipchoge smiles for the last time. Let's keep an eye on the clock, just outside 2.01. Elliot Kipchoge is a history maker in Berlin. Yet again, he has done it. The world record is gone, and now he can celebrate. And that is simply stunning.
A warm embrace from Patrick Sang, his long-term coach. And the greatest marathon runner the world has ever seen has produced the fastest marathon the world has ever seen. So there we go. That is Elliot Kipchoge and his world record run in Berlin. And, and you know, Butte's in the women's race, Tigist Asafa from Ethiopia. She's become the third fastest in history and she's gone sub 216. So just phenomenal running in Berlin. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. You're right. It is phenomenal. It's amazing. Uh, and it's, you know, athletes pushing themselves to the absolute limit in a sport that, you know what, there's there's an element of skill there in terms of what they're able to do, but everybody can run. Well, most, sorry, most people can run, right? And we've all done some sort of cross country as a young kid or whatever it was, or, you know, run around the track. Um, it's just one of these simple, basic uh, sports. It's a, it's a good point. Not everyone's got access to a swimming pool or not everyone can go row or, you know, whatever it may be. snow sports. Everybody can run, right? Yeah. We can all get out there and pound the pavement and these guys are doing it better than anybody else. Yeah. Grand final edition of Saturdays on the Coast and coming up in the second hour, Andrew Ryan from the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, Premiership winner in 2004. Butte's really looking forward to Mark O'Neill, one of your old teammates, 2005 Premiership winner with the West Tigers and now the football manager at the Parramatta Reels. He's coming up as well a little bit later on this morning. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Buttes, I'm rising as one. It's a standing ovation for a Premiership winner from 2005. I've got such fond memories of this grand final and this team in particular, and it had some sensational moments that we'll, we'll never forget on grand final day. Mark O'Neill, welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Thank you. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Buttes. Good morning, Buckets. And, you know, the thing about it is, Steve, uh, Mark O'Neill, he not only was there as part of the uh, West Tiger side in 2005, he's now the general manager of the Paramount Eels. So he's really caught up in this week and it's been a, a great ride for the Eels, uh, Mark. Tell us about the preparation and how the boys are feeling uh, going into the big dance. The boys are feeling remarkably calm, relaxed. There's a level of confidence there, anticipation. There's a feeling of the job is not done just yet. Um, it's been a pretty busy week. And as long as we concentrate on working backwards, the game, and then the training sessions and recovery uh, and know what we've, we've got to do, that's the most important thing for the players. And then all the staff can just work around crazily in the background to try and uh, meet all the commitments and have uh, players and coaches at, at events on times and everything like that and keep it keep it um, as calm as we possibly can, acknowledging that it is a bit of a different week. Yeah, yeah. I heard Brad Arthur after last week's game in the press conference and he said he had no idea what to expect. Now, I've watched every event this week and I've thought, it's exhausting you'd have to really manage your group. I mean, there's been so many functions and, yeah, I mean, what kind of shape are they in? Have they had their final session? When does that happen? And, of course, as always, there's, you know, a couple of selection headaches, but can't wait for this. So excited for a Western Sydney derby on grand final day. Yeah, there's a there's a bit in that. There's You're right about managing the, the week and expectations. It's important to not leak too much energy uh, on all the 
outside uh, commitments that need to be done outside, you know, outside of the, the football element of it. So that's why, you know, the team um, around Brad is doing a wonderful job. Brad's actually been to a few grand finals before. He's had a great, um, I guess, uh, apprenticeship, if you like, down, been involved with the Melbourne Storm. So he has been there a couple of times on the big day previously, not in the head coaching capacities, but it's new for a lot of us at the club in our roles uh, this type of day. So we just make sure that uh, we remember what the main thing is and keep the main thing the main thing. Buckets, interesting selection. Nathan Brown brought into the side uh, as player number 17. He brings, no doubt, a level of enthusiasm. Um, passion, fireworks. Passion, yeah, and fireworks. He'll, he'll bring that, you know, he won't take a backward step, that's for sure. And I love, you know, his little legs go 100 mile an hour. Uh, similar to one Corey Pearson, as I recall, back in the day. Um, I don't know whether he's still walking on eggshells or not, but nevertheless, mate, it's a, for me, I think it's a really good selection. And I've got to say, mate, uh, this is probably the most excited I've been about going to a game of rugby league, and I'll be down there uh, on Sunday you know, since I finished playing. I've got to tell you. I actually feel the same, Buttes. Uh, and, you know, when you've got a team that haven't won since 86 – it's the longest drought in rugby league. So bring it on. And, you know, they didn't play their best. I'd like to get Mark's opinion. In Townsville, somehow you found a way to win. And that's a huge positive. The other factor, and I know the boys have said it's meaningless, but you have rolled them twice this year. Mm. Give us your thoughts, Mark. Yeah, well, the Townsville performance against the Cowboys was really good because I think we found a different way to win. And it's important. You need to continue yeah. and always find different ways to win. We we know that you know when we've been on the front foot, and you know we get a we get an early lead. We're generally hard to run down uh, most occasions. But throughout the game there, where we were leading, then we got behind, and then we had to come back. You know, and and, and snatch a victory away. That's pleasing. That's new, and it builds confidence. And even straight after in the dressing room after the match, there was. More people more excited about uh, Mitch Moses, um, his partner Bree, just you know giving birth to their first their first child than the sense of achievement and satisfaction in making the grand final because we as we know the job's not done uh, as yet but it was pleasing that um, that uh, result uh, because it showed we learned that we can win in a different type of uh, scenario than what we've previously used to or renowned for in the past. Mate, I agree with you 100%. And I said it last week I said it last week on the show. Um, the fact that with 20 to go, they're eight behind. They get in front, right? And two good tries to do so. But the last 10 minutes, that resilience, that resolve, that ability just to hang in there because the Cowboys were coming and they were charging and, the, you know, they had the whole crowd behind them. But that stoic, uh, you know, defensive... Uh, resistance that the Parramatta showed just gave me a sense of confidence going into this week. And, and, and you know what? I look at, I even go back to the fact when we look at the final series, uh, first week of the final series, taken on Penrith. Um, and I said from the start, Parramatta had to win three games in a row to take out the championship, right? To win the premiership. Um, whether it was going to be week yep. one, week three and week four, or it was going to be week two, yep. three and four, right? The fact that you lose against Penrith week one, was almost irrelevant to me. Like, it didn't matter. And I actually think about it and I go, if you were to meet Penrith in the grand final after beating him in week one, 
You've actually had to beat them four times this season, which I think is almost impossible. Yeah, and, you know, and you know they're in the arm wrestle until Mitch goes off. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I look at this and I go, you know what? It wasn't a bad loss. Um, it just created, I guess, this sense of hunger back, uh, which we've seen now from this side. And they're now in a position where this is probably the – it will be the biggest game of each and every one of these players' lives. When you're talking about not only what it means to them – but what it means to the fans and the club. We are 36 years since any sort of premiership glory. And uh, again, it, it, it's there's a lot that goes into that. But gee, I'm sure plenty of them have come out of the woodwork buckets in terms of the Parramatta supporters this week. Yeah, look, there, there, there has been, and um, and which is great and, and not unexpected. The one thing when I started working at the club, I probably underestimated the scale Um of the fan base, the supporter base, the uh, the people, the community. Mm. And um, there's a lot of people that identify as an eel, and it's good to see them out. We welcome each and every one of them that come out. And uh, it will be, you know, an exciting battle uh, this week. Penrith have been the form team, I suppose, the last three years, if you like. They set the pinnacle. We have had a bit of success against them this year, but we're not uh, under any illusion that um, that's going to count for a great deal it was interesting your comment about our loss in week one of the finals. There was two things that, that I look at throughout the whole season. Um, and, and one of them's performance. And the second part is the result. You know, and they're different. And it's how you perform is what I look at and is, is a metric that, that I'd like to see tick most, in it, uh, most weeks around that. But I acknowledge that you could perform really well. And the opposition yep. uh, can perform even better. They could have the game of their life on the day yep. and you might lose. Now, once it comes into finals, particularly the um, the sudden death piece, well, then it does, you know, come about results then because there's no tomorrow if you perform well and lose. But I think that performance that we had in week one was good. Yes. We were in the contest. Penrith were just better on the day. Yep. And that's the thing that we're asking ourselves to be on Sunday, and that is better on the day. You know, I want to ask about the Parramatta NRLW team. How incredible is that? They'll take on the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW Grand Final on Sunday. But I want to go back to 2005 because I said at the top of the interview, you know, I was there through that final series, I think a Saturday night in Sydney at the Sydney Football Stadium. You're up against St. George Illawarra, who, who just thought they had to show up to make the grand final. That was and at the Sydney Football Stadium, yeah? What a yeah. game that was. I remember going to that game. Phenomenal. The West Tigers ambushed them. I think Dean Hallitau scores a couple of tries. But that whole final series, you're just on a roll, Mark. And then grand final night against the Cowboys. They were in their first grand final as well. And I said there were some spectacular moments. Give us your thoughts on that amazing night. Well, I think if I just go back to even the week before the Dragons game, we played the Broncos. And then for the following week, no one was expecting the Tigers to go through. So a lot of the tickets went through to the St. George uh, fan base because they're already through. So we ended up, you know, turning up there uh, against the Dragons. And you're right, I think they may have had one eye on the following week and we had two eyes on that particular game. So we managed to, to get through. And then, you know, it was a crazy week because um, Pat Richards was injured. Um, I think he had to have a ridiculous amount of needles on the Saturday to pass a like a 20-minute fitness test. And all throughout that that final series, everyone was just keeping it remarkably normal, uh, just prepare like we did for any other game. We actually drove to the grand final ourselves, um, parked underneath the stadium. We didn't get a bus. I think that's the only team, you know, in the recent history that's ever done that. Um, 
you know, Benji was at a 21st the night before and got home post-midnight. It was just, it was just we did what we did. And then, and then after the game, I remember Matty Johns uh, come around and put a microphone under, under your nose and said, you know, can you believe that, Buckets? And my immediate answer was, yes, I can. We, you know, we, we've got some talent here. Everyone's been working hard. We're very connected. There's some great leaders. There's some exciting players. We're having fun, enjoying each other's company. When you do all those things, we were fit and healthy for the whole year. I mean, success is inevitable, I think, in some capacity, have those type of attributes within the within your team. So it was a wonderful night. Then it kicked off the next, uh, you know, few weeks of celebrations, which was fantastic as well. Yeah, and you'd, yeah. you'd played over 200 games at the club, including with the Balmain Tigers. So you're just heart and soul with that organisation. Actually, at the time I was doing the sports show on 2GO with Matthew Rodwell and I actually went in the change rooms after the West Tigers won and interviewed a lot of the players, including Mark and also John Scandalis. And it's something that will be forever etched in my memory, Mark, is Scando's dad in the dressing room. I've never seen a father more proud of what his son has achieved. Oh, it was amazing. Now, he's a wonderful man. Uh, Johnny Scandalis and, and and his father as well is always at the game. The support that uh, the other parents, you know, that um, or all the parents, I should say, give the whole team was, you know, greatly appreciated. We did just feel like one whole big family, and you know, the guys are and their families are still connected today to this very day. So uh, catch up regularly. So there's a bond there that uh, that is formed, you know, by such a momentous occasion and you know hopefully that'll be will be happening for one team this weekend and I hope that it's us the Eels. Yeah it's nice that um, you know that bond that the players have and even they they even forget Steve to remember the guys that dug the well from them but that's okay (laughs) occasionally they just bring them up every now and then but that's all right, mate don't worry about us Uh, I'm sure Darren's still, still waiting for that WhatsApp group to be a part of it. I was going to say, mate, we never forget that. Uh, yourself, Darren Center, uh, Scotty uh, Sattler, Jason Moody. Great job, Scotty uh, Sattler. Yeah, yes. we're all there. Yes, we just did it. Wonderful men, mate. Mark O'Neill joining us on this grand final special, and we'll take a quick break here and back in just a moment with a 2005 Premiership winner. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, and it's a grand final special, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. Steve Allen and former Parramatta player, West Tigers, North Sydney Bears, Michael Butner. Let's go back to Mark O'Neill. I do want to touch on, mate, the NRLW uh, and what a performance from those girls. Snuck into the final series, a big win last week against the Roosters. Like, that was an outstanding performance. The Roosters have been you know, the, the, the form team all season. And you know, earlier this year, they should have beaten Newcastle in Newcastle. Yeah, correct. So, would have made their run easier. So they're up against Newcastle yes. this week. Young Jess Southwell. I've got to tell you, mate, uh, I work with young Taylor Preston, the halfback for the Eels. And yes. uh, can you yes. tell Dean Witters that if she happens to run the ball in the first two sets, right, despite what the game plan yep. is, that was on the back of what I told her to do. <laughs> I told her to get tackled early. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's that's good advice, Butts. That's certainly good advice. But, you know, I'm incredibly pr- proud of the women, Dean. 
as well as a program they've put together. It's been a bit of a tough year. Again, and I look at those two things about the performance and the results. And round one, the Roosters put the cleaners through us. Uh, Izzy, had, Isabel Kelly had a had a day out. You know, she just schooled us on both left and right edge, and it was you know they really sort of uh, let us know you know who the benchmark is and what we you know just how far away we are from it. And uh, from there, we've had some really good performances, but not getting the results. And credit to the team for showing a, a level of resilience to to hang in there and still keep the focus. And even to the last, you know, competition round, we needed to win, and we did. But we also needed the Roosters to win for us to to proceed. And uh, from there, it's like like you saw last weekend it, on the day that counts. And uh, yeah, we, we're going in with a level of confidence around that. And we don't. We feel like we deserve to be there, to, to be honest with you, because we have peaked at the, the right time of the year. And as I mentioned, we've performed well, if not getting the result in some of those games early on. Yeah, and Mark, uh, one of the Parramatta players, uh, possibly one of the toughest players, male or female, that's ever laced on a boot, Samima Taufa, makes the NRLW team. Uh, sorry, makes the NRLW team of the year. Yeah, she's a wonderful athlete, Samima. Like come game day. You know, she's such a warrior. She's such a trooper. She's tough. She's physical. She gives it all. She leaves every ounce of energy and effort out there on the field. So, yeah, she plays She plays a brand of football that I guess is uh, synonymous with our, with our Eels club, you know, particularly our men's uh, style of footy as well. And that's tough. It's uncompromising. It's repeatability. And um, it's engine and work ethic. Buckets, really appreciate your time, mate. And really looking forward to standing out. Of course, we're going to stand up and give you a... A standing O, mate, uh, not only have you taken us back to 2005, but also to be a part of this uh, Parramatta club uh, leading into this grand final. It's great to get an insight. And, uh, mate, we wish you all the very best. And obviously the, the Parramatta Real side, both in the NRL and the NRLW. Uh, and thank you very much for your time. No, thank you, guys. And I'd just like to thank all our, uh, all our fans and members and partners and everyone that's getting behind the Eels this weekend. I can tell you on behalf of all the club, Brad and the players, and uh, and our broader community, we truly appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can make everyone uh, proud come Sunday evening. Yeah, you certainly will, and we'll see Brad over the summer up here. He's got a place yeah, on the Central Beach. Coast, so yeah. and and you've got huge support up here, mate. So thanks again for your time. No worries, thank you, guys. Mark O'Neill joining us, uh, a legend with the West Tigers, the Balmain Tigers as well, where he played over two hundred games. Unforgettable in two thousand and five. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, he's one of those players who. You know, just is such a valuable member of the team. Not only what he does on the field, but similar to, you know, I spoke about Mick Vella. If there was a team of the best blokes in footy, like, uh, he'd make it. Right, 100%. This is Saturday's On The Coast Grand Final Edition. I hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. We do this all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, our naming rights partner. Back in just a moment, Saturday's On The Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. The grand final edition, and time now to recap what unfolded last weekend, the absolute annihilation. And this is going to be quite traumatic for our next guest, the great Troy Luff, Sydney Swans legend. Luffy, good morning, mate. And 20 goals, 13, 133 to 8-4-52. It was a real shame after a stellar season for the Sydney Swans. But on the flip side, credit 
to Geelong on winning for the first time since 2011. And some of their superstars had incredible games, very gracious afterwards. We see some players win their first premierships in Dangerfield and also Jeremy Cameron. But welcome back to the show, mate, and give us your thoughts on Grand Final Day. Oh, morning, guys. Yeah, well, it's, it's not as traumatic as what you'd think because a close game and they lose by five points, that's traumatic and that's devastating. To watch what the Swans, you know, put up last week was, it was just insipid. It, it, it wasn't even a contest from the very first bounce. It was like watching a, a senior team play a reserve grade team, a practice match. So all the things that the Swans have pride themselves on this year, which is their, their tackle pressure, their pressure on the ball carriers, their forward pressure and their skills into the forward line, none of that happened. And it wasn't because Geelong pressured them. They just they just didn't get near the ball. The, the contested footy was 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 like four to one almost. It was that bad Geelong's way. Um, and and I like I feel sorry for the supporters, not just of the the Swans, but of the actual game because it was just such a farce. People 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 were turning the game off at halftime because it just wasn't a grand final is what we'd like to see. A couple of years ago, Richmond absolutely belted GWS, and that looked bad. I think this looked a lot worse. And, and in saying that, you can't take anything away from Geelong. That, that was the most polished grand final mm. performance I've seen for a very long time. All of their stars stood up. And, and the difference is they've been accused of being old and too slow, but you look at the stats of all their older players, 12 players over 29 years of age. Paddy Dangerfield was outstanding. Isaac Smith, the oldest player to win the Norma Smith. Joel Selwood in his very last game for Geelong. Zach Tui, the list just tumbled. And the list just goes on and on of how many players played well. And they totally dominated the game. It was a fantastic performance. Yeah, Butes has got the next question, but what about when Selwood kicked that goal and you just saw the wave of emotion hit him that it is his last game. It was a sensational goal, but you just saw him put his hands to his head and he was overcome with emotion buttes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, justifiably so. You know, when I think about, you know, what's he played 15 years of top-level football, four premierships, captaining the side to their you know, premiership since 2011, you know, an outstanding performance. And, and Luffy... Do you just put it down to just a bad day out for the Swans? Is that just as simple as it is? Oh, look, not really. I mean, firstly, on the Joel Selwood, I was actually watching the game with Ty Canelli and, uh, and Stephen Doyle, a couple of former Swans players. We're at a, a men's health uh, function, which was great to talk about mental health for men and then watch the footy. And I actually said to Ty Canelli that when Selwood kicked that goal and the, the camera panned to the family in the crowd and there was tears. I just turned to Ty and went, you know what? I reckon he's going to retire. I reckon they know he's going to retire. And after the game, when you saw Tom Hawkins and Selwood almost in tears, you could see that Selwood, that was his last game. He actually told the club at the end of the season before the finals and didn't tell it like the players, just the club. And so going into the game, they knew. And what a, what a great way to go out. And onto the Swans, I think it's, you can't just say I just had one of those days. Unfortunately for the Swans, they were very, very inexperienced. They're, they're the youngest team in the competition. Players that, young players, I mean, as you know, Butch, playing rugby league, if you've got a team of young players and, and the side's going well and those older guys are standing up, they follow. And all of a sudden, the whole team is inspired by that. But when things aren't going well, the young players mentally, they, they just folded. They, they, 
didn't get the ball like they were supposed to. They didn't tackle like they were supposed to. They were nervous. They they went into the game nervous, and, and you could see that from the start. Players were were rushing when they got possession, and there was just no clear passage at all. And and unfortunately for, for players like Buddy Franklin, everyone says he had a bad game. Well, he did have a bad game. The thing is, the ball never went into the forward line. You need yeah. the ball to go into his area to get the ball first to actually do something with it. So. You know, and in saying that, you look at Chad Warner, one of the young guys in the side, to have 30-odd possessions, kick a goal. He was absolutely outstanding. And it's a shame that the best player was Chad Warner. The second best player was probably Robbie Fox, who's been in and out of the Swan side for about five or six years. Did a great job on Jeremy Cameron. And you go, who was next? Like, well, Luke Parker, okay. One of the other guys stood up. That's about it. No one else stood up. It was just... It was just a bad day for, for the whole side. Yeah, and what about the selection panel, Luffy? Because did they get it wrong? Well, obviously they did with Sam Reid. I think anyone that knows anything about a groin injury knows you can't just go back and play the week after. It, it, you've got so much control of your leg and the way you move when you've got an adductor or a groin injury, and they're, they're painful. Even he may have had an injection to try and play, which would have made things worse, and he had no impact on the game whatsoever and then ends up getting subbed out. And, and for the Swans, the sub was Braden Campbell. Now, you, you're t- talking about a six-foot-six guy for a six-foot or five-foot-eight guy. And so the Swans had no marking target. Hayden McLean barely touched the ball. Buddy Franklin didn't touch it. And that's it. And um, what's his name? Uh, Laddams. That he got suspended three weeks out of the grand final in a VFL match, and he would have been a walk-up start. He was having a great season for the Swans, and it cost himself a grand final spot. And in the end, it's hurt the team not having a backup ruckman and a forward that can also kick goals. Hey, Luffy, I'm sure you would have seen it, but uh, Joel Selwood, he hands over his boots to an AFL Oz kicker. But what about the moment after the game where he spotted, he spotted Sam Morford? So this is the young man with Down syndrome, and... I think it's one of the most touching moments I've ever seen following a grand final, and it really sums up the culture at the Geelong Cats. Oh, it does. And it just shows you what sort of person Joel Selwood is. He's given so much back to the community over his year with the, with the Oz kick as well, but also just general voluntary work. He's just such a great person. And to do that, and for, you know, for the young guy that's been around the club for a long time, I mean, he was actually at Mad Monday too, um, I think I saw a photo of him at the Geelong Mad Monday. Um, but another photo that I thought was fantastic was Joel, was actually a video, Joel Selwood getting all of the Oz kickers that presented the medals to the players in a big group, standing in the middle, getting a photo with them all. And it just goes to show that he has the time to give back, even at the best moment in his, one of the best in his career. He's just won a grand final. He knows he's retiring. This is his last game. And he has gone and got all those young kids to give them a moment they'll cherish for the rest of their life. Uh, Luffy, you want to talk about Isaac Smith uh, taking out the Norm Smith medal? Um, there were plenty of players that were putting their hand up, uh, Dangerfield being one of those. Um, it could have probably gone to about three or four of the Geelong Cats players. I, I have no doubt that Isaac Smith was the best player on the ground, and it was even for the, the word going. He kicked two goals in the first quarter, had about seven or eight touches, but he had a complete game over four quarters. And it was just amazing. I think 34 years of age, I think he's now become the oldest player ever to win the Norm Smith. Paddy Dangerfield, it's been well documented that for such an illustrious career, he's won absolutely everything you can win except a premiership. And that is one of the reasons why he went to Geelong. And he did that on Saturday. And he did it so well. He was outstanding. 
as well. He, he just performed well above what he has for most of the year. It was probably one of his best games for the year. And so I think, you know, when it comes to Norm Smith, I think they got it right. One, Pat Dangerfield was two. And then the third, it could have been a toss. I was a little bit disappointed there was no one vote for Chad Warner. I thought he was outstanding. He was probably the, the third best player on the ground. But of course, when you lose, uh, everyone just focuses on the winning side. Yeah, and that opening quarter where I think it's 11 scoring shots to one, I think Selwood touches the footy maybe 12 or 14 times in that first quarter. And that's the difference. Those senior players stood up. Selwood, Dangerfield, Isaac Smith, Tom Hawkins kicked a couple of goals. These are all older blokes. You know, they stood up and they they led by example. And when more than half your side is over 29, you know, that that's that's... Yeah, in, in football age of any code, that's old, but that's also experience. And yep. those older experienced heads, they were calm for the whole day. And, well, I guess they were calm until three-quarter time. Then you could see their excitement knowing they'd won the grand final. And I tell you what, you've got to watch some of the video of young De Koenig. He was absolutely fantastic. Some of the video, he was, he, he grabbed someone's phone out of the crowd and video self him, himself running around the ground with the crowd in the background. He had photos with the crowd. He had family on the ground. He absolutely lapped it up. And why shouldn't he? It was a great effort for him. It may never happen again. And, you know, to win a flag at that level is just sensational. Well, Luffy, uh, we're giving you a standing ovation here in the Man Cave on this grand final weekend. Thank you so much for everything you've done for the show through the year. Our people will talk to your people in terms of some kind of uh, what would we call it, Buttes? Five-star experience. A level of uh, appreciation. Uh, are, you, are you talking Star of the Sea Resort? Settle, settle, settle. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to getting my long neck of VB in the mail. I can't wait. <laughs> and, you know, Luffy, it shouldn't just be an overnight stay. It should be like he should uh, be there for like months, a month. Months, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> great stuff, Luffy. Take care, mate, and we'll talk soon. All right, and have a great week. And go Parramatta. Of all the sides in the NRL, I grew up in Victoria. We had one game a week in the middle of the 80s, and, of course, Parramatta were the top in the 80s, and I'd love to see them with the flag. I think it's 36 years <laughs> since they've won a final, so uh, go the Eels. That's probably the best thing you've said all year, Luffy. What about Luffy saying, win the flag? Like, uh, <laughs> he's, he's been... Sorry, the, the cup, what do you call it? The, the, premiership. the premiership. We win the premiership, mate. We win the, the premiership. The Proven Summons Trophy. Mm. Oh, Buttes will be there with his uh, Eels jumper on and his Bears jumper on and his West Tigers jumper on. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a Penrith. Actually, I do have a Penrith one in my cupboard, but uh, believe it or not, I swapped it with Brad Fittler. Uh, back in the day where you'd swap juice oh, at the end of the season. Ah, uh, so. the old licorice all sorts. Yeah, yeah. So I've got one of those as well. So I could put one underneath the other. So it'll work out okay. That'll be the Dada uniforms. That'll be five jumpers you have to wear then. <laughs> yeah, and name dropping. Swapped it with yeah. Brad Fittler. Yeah, I'm sure he's still got my jersey somewhere. Yeah. Uh, great stuff, Luffy. Talk soon. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. This is Saturdays on the Coast. Thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Uh, great stuff from Troy Luff. Coming up soon, we'll talk to Andrew Ryan, former captain of the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, premiership winner against the Sydney Roosters in 2004. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. 
Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, brought to you by Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Start your dream home today with McDonald Jones Homes. The long weekend, grand final weekend, how excited are we? And also, it's the opening round of Central Coast cricket for the men. The women get underway next weekend. Joining us is the guru and the best administrator in Australian sport, Gary Birkinshaw. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, good morning, Steve. Good morning, Butch. Yes, it's uh, you wouldn't think it's summer at the moment, though, with uh, with the, the wet weather that we've had in recent times. But uh, hopefully today we'll be able to get uh, some cricket started. Yeah, Burko, what kind of shape are we in in terms of maybe a, a washouts across the first weekend? Fingers crossed that we can go ahead, though. Yeah, look, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get some games. I know a lot of the wickets have been covered uh, since, well, uh, some of them since Thursday. So providing the rain stops during the day and uh, we're hopeful that we'll be able to get now, at least one of the two games started. We've got double headers today as the start of our T20 competition. Ah, so the format's T20 for the first round, mate, which is fantastic. Obviously, uh, plenty of action to be had. Yeah, look, so we've got two competitions this year. Our main competition is a two-day competition, and that'll get underway next weekend. And we have our T20 competition, which is primarily being played on a Thursday evening again this year. But we're starting the season off with, with a double header of this competition. So it gives everyone a bit of cricket early on. And, uh, again, it's only first first grade playing, so uh, the long weekend, the majority of the players will have that off. Hey, Gary, you had the season launch a couple of weeks ago at Diggers at the entrance, and thank you, mate. I had the pleasure of hosting that night, and we heard from all of the captains, both men's and women's, across the code, and I thought uh, Daniel Houston, the captain of King Cumber of Oka, they're probably, you know, it's really amazing. They go into this season as underdogs, don't they? There's a lot of talk around Northern Power and also the entrance. Yeah, look, what a fantastic night that was, and thanks very much for hosting that, Steve. And look, what, what really got me about that night was the optimism in the room. Everyone was pretty confident. and But probably said that you mentioned there that the entrance and Northern Power, they probably recruited the best of everyone else. But outside of that, it's very even. And I think, I think Daniel Houston and, and James Smith probably were two who summed it up. And Daniel said that, you know, it's two competitions. You make the top four, and then we worry about the last month of the year when we do that. And James Smith from Narara came out and said, well, no one, no one rated us a couple of years ago, and we come out and won the one-day competition. So so I think you know, the entrance and Northern Power, yep, they, they no doubt the favourites, but I think there's plenty of optimism of other clubs that, that they're a big chance to take out the trophy as well. Uh, Burko, who's going to be some of the standout players this season after what they did last year? Uh, do you see that form continuing? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's going to be some... I'm really excited to see how Brock Hardy from the entrance is going to go. Brock's been one of the the most talented players in the competition for a couple of years, but lost a little bit of interest probably last last year, but he's really keen again this year, so I'm really excited to see how he he goes. Sean Eaton from Brisbane Water, he's one of the real stars of the competition, so so it'll be exciting to see how he goes. Alan David Medelson, medal winner last year, so so he's certainly a, a good player and one, an important one for Brisbane Water as well for them for them to do well. Um, Callum Ranger from Wire, I think he could be a bit of a smoky this year as well. He was our rep player of the year last year. Didn't have a great... Um, local competition season, but they played a trial game up in Tamworth last week, and he got a hundred there. So, as a as a bat, I think uh, he could have a good year, and 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 he probably will need to as well as a wild game to do well. And and his teammate Jack Harris as well, he's an all rounder, young all rounder. Uh, spent a few years down in Sydney, but he's back. He played here last year, but I expect that he'll have a good year as well. Hey, Butes, wouldn't you love to get a lazy ton out in the country oh, somewhere? Why not, mate? Just <laughs> raise the how, bat. How, how would that feel, like with your psyche, that you've made a century? Because 
I'm not sure about you, but I think my top score was 12 back uh, in the uh, back in the Palm Beach primary uh, school I, days. I've got, I got to tell you, mate, I got, <laughs> I got the past the 50. I never got to raise the bat for the uh, 100. So yeah. it's a mighty, mighty effort. I was good in backyard cricket. Hey, just on <laughs> Sean Eaton, I wanted to ask you, Burko, last year, how did his numbers compare to some of the seasons gone by? So he made 445. His average was 44.5. How does that stack up in previous seasons? Yeah, look, that's that's been probably the, the benchmark of a, the last couple of seasons that we've had, especially since we've gone to the mixture of uh, of one day and two day cricket. So he, he performed exceptionally well, and yeah, I I, I think that um, yeah, moving forward, I, I he'll be looking to better that number this year with a lot more two day cricket as well. So. So I think um, we, we expect, I expect big things from him uh, yeah. this year. Gary, we had to wait almost all night long to hear from Terrigal Matcham. So we heard from Alex Patterson, of course. Uh, but we also, and I mean, they make virtually every grand final, but they haven't hoisted the trophy. But we also heard from Emily Humphreys. Now, the Terrigal Matcham women, they are absolutely stacked. And, you know, their odds on to go back to back, aren't they? Oh, they certainly are. They, they, they're really, really talented uh, a group of young ladies they've got in their side. Not young, they've got a mixture of experience and some young, but they have arguably got some of the best young talent running around. Won the premiership last year, which was thoroughly deserved, and they've had probably the, the best female female cricketer on the coast who's come back and played in Grace Dignam. As she's a, a country under-18s opening batsman and a spin bowler, so she's coming back and playing the coast, which is fantastic. So so she'll slot very nicely into that into that very, very strong, terrible match side. But... Look, I tell you what, the Lizrael Rimba side—they've gone from two two women's sides back to to one this year, so they're they're very very strong also, and and you certainly wouldn't count out uh, Northern Power as well. They're a very experienced lineup, so and been very very strong in, in women's cricket. So, I think that female first grade competition could be very very tight as well. But you'd think Terrigal Matcham would definitely start as favourites. I want to ask you about the Brewer Shield, which is coming up, and that's really exciting for women's cricket. But Butes, I want to share with you. So Tara French. She was the leading batter for Terrigal Matcham last year. 16 years old, she made almost 400 runs across the season, 392 to be exact. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. What a score that is. And speaking of the junior girls, uh, we've got the country championships next week up at Tugra, uh, 16s and 19s. Is that right, Berko? Yeah, look, the representative season kicks off very, very early for the uh, for the, for the women. So the under-16s, they, they play uh, on Monday and Tuesday. All eight zones of New South Wales country will be coming up to Tugra. And then on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, our under-19s carnival will, will be held. And Central Coast did very well in the under-19s. They made the final last year being defeated by ACT. So a lot of those girls that you just mentioned, uh, Steve, from Terry Matcham, they'll be playing in this competition, including Tara French, as you mentioned, who is, is a really exciting talent. And we're expecting big things from both the 16s and 19s. But what a fantastic week of cricket will be. All the best uh, junior Cricketers in the country will be at Tugger next week. And Gaz, our senior men, they'll follow a different pathway in 2022 in terms of rep cricket. Tell me more. Yeah, look, uh, normally the, the, there's two pools they play in the senior country championship, the Northern Pool and the Southern Pool. And we we're predominantly always play in the Northern Pool, which is North Coast, Central North and also Newcastle. But just to mix things up a bit this year, they, they've, they've swapped ourselves in the Illawarra. So we'll be making the trek to Orange to play in the in the Southern Pool, which will consist of ACT, who are very, very strong, uh, Riverina and also Western Zone. So it's good for our uh, our boys. They've played the last three carnivals have been played at Tugra. So the boys are pretty keen to hit the road and uh, 
and, and explore some of the sites in uh, country New South Wales, but also get the op- also get the opportunity to uh, to play against some some different faces as well. So we're expecting a, a really good performance from our open representative side. Yeah. What what is that code for, Buttes? Run amok. Run amok, yes, exactly. Have a good time. But, but don't but, forget, you're representing yes, the Central Coast. Of course, of course, and you've got to do it yeah. proudly. Mate, The uh, Burgo, apart from cricket, which is your passion, uh, there's clearly, clearly another one, and that is the AFL. And, and last week's grand final, what a blowout, blowout oh. that was. The uh, Geelong Cats just absolutely ge- uh, destroying the Sydney Swans. Yeah, look, how good were Geelong? Like, I, I, it's been a long time since you've seen a side come out and really – yeah, their game was was at, at highest level, and they never let the Swans in the game at all at any stage. You look at the first quarter; was eleven scoring shots to one. The game was virtually over the, over then. But yeah, the Swans certainly weren't at, at their best. But but I, I think you put more down to the way Geelong played than the Swans because they were just in peak form. They, you know, their coach Chris Scott had them timed to the minute, and yeah, their prep. If you go back and have a look at their preparation during the year, the, the times he was able to rest players had and really make sure that, that they were ready to play come the, the biggest game of the year. And they certainly didn't let them down. And, and full credit to them. And what a credit Geelong and, and their players and Joel Selwood have been since since they've won won the grand final. They've been so humble and, and they've really turned into a real community spirit down there. So, you know, well-deserved first one since I think it was 2011, I think it might have been. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, so so well done, done to them. And, uh, and yeah, their Mad Monday where they, they all went as... as, as Elder citizens society, you know, too old, too slow, and as I said, too good, and they were. Yeah, yeah, and Joel Selwood announces his retirement this week, so absolute gun, one of the greatest we've seen, mm. and four-time premiership winner now, Gaza. Hey, we might have to leave it there. We're getting the wind-up from our producer back in Sydney. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Oh, can we get a tip from you? Parramatta or Penrith this weekend? Uh, Penrith and Dylan Ebel to win the Clive Churchill. Oh, you've heard it here first. Get on. <laughs> Get on. Thank you, mate. Enjoy the opening round of Central Coast Cricket. Good on you, Steve. Good on you, Beauty. Enjoy the show and I hope you have a great weekend. Gary Birkinshaw joining us. Uh, absolute legend, uh, the best administrator in Australian sport. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary and we thank them for their ongoing support and also McDonald Jones Homes. This is Saturdays on the Coast, grand final edition on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your dream home today with McDonald Jones. Well, Buttes, let's go to one of my heroes, a grand final winner in 2004 with the Canterbury Banks Town Bulldogs defeating the Sydney Roosters. Andrew Ryan, we're rising as one. It's a standing ovation for a premiership winning captain. Good morning, mate. And uh, how's grand final weekend for you? G'day, boys. Great to chat. I uh, love to hear your voices. It's been a little while. So, um, mate, love grand final week, just like Origin. It's another Christmas day. Um, it's the best week ever. Um, on my way, lucky enough to go down for a couple of days. I'm, I'm shooting back home for the grand final, but a couple of days down in amongst it and, um, yeah, doing some stuff with the, the NRL transition, the retiring and departing players tomorrow, uh, Saturday, and, um, yeah, really exciting times. And it's, it's always a good week, mate, leading up to the grand final. You were there in two thousand. You were there in 2001 uh, with the Eels, uh, and then, of course, the premiership win with the Bulldogs as captain uh, on that occasion in 2004. 
What's it mean for you, mate, looking back on that 2004 victory? Um, I know you're about to pick up uh, Mark O'Mealy, who was part of that side as well. Yeah, he uh, made one of the greatest tackles in was. grand final history. Yeah, yeah. Um, what does it mean to you, mate, looking back on that? Oh, look, yeah, I'm beautiful, you know. Um, to, yeah, you, I did say pinch myself every single day, you know, to play one minute of NRL. Um, I I would have given anything as a kid and then to, to go on and, and be lucky enough to play, um, you know, in that first grand final, obviously, as a young fella at Parramatta, unfortunately, we lost. But then, yeah, to go on and, and be able to win one, um, you, you know, everyone works so hard and the, the people behind the scenes that, that don't get all the recognition they deserve and, and family and everyone that makes sacrifices. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a special time. And, you know, as a Bulldogs fan, as a kid, to actually pull that jersey on and be able to run out on grand final day. I remember wearing the the old 80s jerseys around on grand finals in, in those days and then to actually run out there on grand final day um, myself. It was a surreal moment. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but Steve's got the biggest grin on his face right now, talking about those old 80s jerseys. You know he's a mad Bulldog supporter, and um, but he uh, there's nothing better than for him to be able to talk to a, an old Bulldogs player like yourself. But, mate, the, the, do you wear that ring proudly uh, during this week? I know it's a time where you can actually pull it out, you know, scrub it down, polish it up, and uh, get to wear that ring. Do you Do you do that? No, I actually don't, mate. I haven't. I haven't worn it since um since grand final uh, since two thousand and four. So it got stuck on my finger because my fingers are so small and <laughs> weak. And um, it got it got put in a little safe, and um, yeah, it stayed there. Actually, my my youngest actually asked me yesterday if I was if if I had a bulldog's ring firstly, and then if he was allowed to wear it at some stage. So um, I'm sure I'll let him wear it for a little bit. But yeah, it's in the safe at the moment. I've yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just roll on as normal with my rank fingers, mate, without any rings on there. Sausage yeah. fingers. We've, uh, we've got a few issues about what you just said. One of them is that you've got a safe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's got uh, one thing in it. It's got, it. That's all it's got in it. Yeah, and they're beautiful rings too. They were done by Xena uh, Jewelers back in the day, so they're a really beautiful piece of memorabilia. Bobcat, I want to get your thoughts on Parramatta, but also... As well as the Eels, there's a young guy from your hometown of Dubbo who's going to play a huge role on Sunday night. That's Isaiah Yo. What a player he is. Uh, he's my favourite player in the comp. I love him. I'm fortunate to know his family right through, you know, that his family have been involved in rugby league and the community for a long time. And, and I remember speaking to Isaiah about him having aspirations to go down and, and become an NRL player and just watch him, you know, turn into the player he's become, the man he's become, the father, but also just he stayed true to himself. He's a yeah, he's a fantastic guy and a, um, we've got so many great ambassadors in our game at the moment. You know, a guy there, we saw Nico Hines the other night from the mm. Central Coast, but I was like, yo, what a player, the skill set. Uh, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. Mate, uh, and just uh, apparently he's become the number one player to come out of Dubbo now. Is that correct? Oh, well, mate, it's not hard to, no, it, it, you know, you, you look at Les Davidson, Dean Pay, there's been, David Peachy, there's been quite a few yeah. over time, um, but Isaiah, you know, it looks like he, he'd have to uh, be pretty hard done by not to be in the kangaroo side as well, so yeah. what a what a phenomenal, the, the way they've applied themselves the last few years, and but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty tight game, I think, you know, Parramatta, um, 
they just keep finding a way to get it done. You know, they've, the last two weeks, especially to go up to North Queensland, you know, I don't think the Cowboys had been beaten in a final up there before. And it is a tough place to go and play. So for them to to be on the rack a bit last week and, and find a way to get it done, it's uh, they've got yeah, they've got a fair bit of steel. They've got some class in their team too. So it's let's hope it's a super tight and exciting game, mate. The matchups for me, uh, you know, are all over the park. You know, you look at the the fullbacks, Gutherson, Edwards. Edwards been in outstanding form. The halfbacks, the five eights, uh, the front rowers, the hookers. Like there are so many matchups. It is phenomenal. It sure is, and and I think the the start will be big too. You know, it, you look at the Panthers' performance and probably power to a certain extent. But to have to come from behind last week, so it'll be a big focus on their starts. You know, Mitch Kenny's been starting for the Panthers and defensively super strong as well. And Appy comes on and mm. and does some damage. But um, Reed Marnie, you know, like you said, there's matchups right across the park. But um, you know, it, it tends to be those little plays in the big games that that win them. So you know, you look for you look for those hard working, your Liam Munns, your um, you know those those type of players to come up with something when when everyone's on their knees. You know, so it's uh, yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, and I feel like Butte's both forward packs, or in particular both front rows, are in stellar form ahead of Sunday night's game. And we got some massive humans. Like oh. if you think of Junior in the front row and uh, Regan Campbell Gillard, and then Fisher Harris on the uh, other side, and Moses Leota, is he maybe the most underrated front rower in the game? Yeah, sensational. He's done a great job, hasn't he, you know? Um, speaking of massive humans and front rowers, I think big Mark O'Meal is running up the street at me now. So. <laughs> well, that can't be, that can't be Mark O'Meal because he doesn't run anymore. <laughs> and and is, he, is he dressed for the occasion? No, I can't see him. I was just, I was just tossing him up. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, just made me think of um, big front rowers. But he'll be ready to go, the big fella. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times. You know, these two teams obviously haven't played each other in a grand final, and um, the, the 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 Western they're so passionate and big big fan bases. Uh, you know, especially Parramatta, obviously through those '80s periods, but successful clubs and um, sure to be a, a massive clash Sunday. Yeah, and Bobcat. Apart from 2004, I was on a podcast this week, and we were talking about grand finals and. For me, I'd say 2015, it seemed like time stood still when JT had that sideline conversion against the Broncos. We went to extra time, golden point, and then suddenly JT slots one from downtown. Benny Hunt knocks on. Mm. That had pretty much everything. But we go back to 97, the Newcastle Knights winning their first grand final. Yep. The short side play with Darren Albert. 89. Oh, oh my goodness. A, Benny Elias, uh, Steve Jackson. Then Royce Simmons wants to 90, shout everyone. 91. That's right. I mean, so many great grand finals. How 2004, about, the tackle by Andrew Ryan. My yeah. goodness. How about for you, my friend? Yeah, look, mate, I, I was lucky enough to be working on the radio uh, on that day, the, the 2015 one, and sitting on the sideline and just watching it unfold as well. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy moments. But, you know, my memories of those ones that you just spoke of, like I, I, I love Grand Final Day as a kid, um, playing in the backyard, watching, you know, watching those games that you mentioned. And, you know, we're going down today to this Bulldogs function. They've got the 95 side there as well. And, mm. you know, some of my idols are in that team, Terry Lamb, Dean Pay guys like Jim Dimmick as well, you know, that was lucky enough to get to know and sort of play alongside um, 
Yeah, it's the best. Grand final week is the best. Yeah, and uh, you, you're back at the Bulldogs in 2023, and our premiership window is open with Viliami Kikau and Reid Marnie coming across. Exciting times. Yeah, you're lucky enough to sort of be able to go down there and be able to uh, do a sort of part-time capacity. Um, but, yeah, Cameron Serrano obviously coming on the, into the club and, um, yeah, exciting times. Some key signings with Reid Marnie, Kikau as well, and... Um, yeah, looking forward to sort of being amongst it, but still, I live in Newcastle, so still being able to live in Newcastle and sort of spend some time down there, it's, uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, we're giving you a uh, standing ovation. 2004 Premiership winner, the great Andrew Ryan on our grand final special. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Andrew Ryan. Steve, I'm going to say it. There's another guy that would be in that team of good blokes. Yeah. Andrew Ryan would probably get a start there. Yeah. Probably on the bench. So who did we say was the first selected? Mark O'Neill. Mark O'Neill. Well, Mick Vella, Mark O'Neill. But you're uh, putting the Bobcat on the bench. No. I would greatest put, blokes I, ever. I was just teasing. He would be definitely a starter there. No doubt about it. Absolute champion guy. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, we didn't delve into it, but there was a period where he was almost going to go back to Dubbo. Yeah. He was sitting at a bus stop. And I think it was Peter Sharp that picked him up and said, what are you doing? Yeah. And so... Sliding it, doors moment. But before it all began, it was almost over. Yeah. Um, I, I think an one, outstanding career he had. 290-odd first-rate games. Abs- represented New South Wales and Australia. Like, absolute stellar career. Yeah. And the pinnacle of that is Premiership winning captain. 2004. With Stephen Price sitting on the sideline. Yep. And that's a team that had JT on the bench and had Sonny Bill... I think we're in the 17 jumper. Yeah, just amazing. Amazing, amazing. It was his first time that he kept in the Bulldogs in yeah. the grand final. Yeah, what a record. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. Back in just a moment. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. Butes, uh, we've mentioned about the narc on this show. In fact, earlier today you mentioned that you're you got a guy going to the grand final with you who could be highly embarrassing. He's almost like Banya of Seinfeld. Yeah, you described him as Banya of Seinfeld, and I think he probably fits that bill pretty well. Um, it is uh, <laughs> the guy we refer to as the narc, but he is my mate, Bluey, and he's a mad Parramatta supporter, and he's on the air. Uh, well, he's with us now, uh, on the line Let, now. Let's patch him through. Bluey, good morning. Morning, Steve. Morning, Butes. Mate, how are you feeling, Bluey? We are 30, 20, 26 years. 36 years, we're 24 hours away from kickoff, and you must be jumping at the bit to get down to the ground. Um, 36 years, it's 2009 since they played uh, in their last grand final. What's this mean to you, mate? Well, since Friday afternoon or evening when we finally beat the Cowboys, all I've been thinking about is this Sunday and what we're doing the whole week has been amazing. I've worn Pam Adam hat every single day just to... Show off just in case, God forbid, come Monday I'll be, you know, a little bit sadder. But I'm very confident that our team can do it. Yeah, and I've heard that you've been wearing a Stan Jurd Parramatta jumper from the 1980s. Is that true? And someone told me that, uh, you know, you've really filled that jumper out. Well, Steve, 
Rumours are rumours, aren't they? <laughs> that shirt has shrunk a bit since 1983. You've got to yeah. stop putting it in the dryer, mate. I'm uh, telling you. Uh, tell us about your love of Parramatta. When did it first begin? And were you at any of those grand finals in the 1980s? No, but I went to Parramatta Stadium a fair bit when I was a young fella. My grandfather lived at Parramatta, so it's just down the road. And that's how I picked the Parramatta Eels. Plus, we were successful at the time. So made it a bit easier. What's going to be the key, mate, for them on Sunday? Um, who's got to do what and how they're going to go about beating this side that is the Penrith Panthers that have been so dominant over the last three years? Well, I honestly think that we have to play to win the game and not to try and not to lose to Penrith and play out, play you know, a little bit of risk football and break up their defensive line. I don't think you can beat Penrith just playing structure football. But that's my that's my theory. I'm not a coach. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Actually, I'm a very good assistant coach. He is a very good assistant coach. He's probably jumped on the bandwagon of several of the uh, the best coaches on the Central Coast in relation to uh, Oztag, uh, and he's done a great – in fact, he was the assistant coach for the men's opens, Tagaroos, the Australian side. Yeah, Bluey, we spoke to Tony Clark earlier, and we mentioned about Dylan Edwards. Now, I see him, after watching them play against South last week, I see him as almost – the way he's playing, almost the greatest threat. And they've got, they've got firepower right across the park. But how about for you? Who's the danger man from the Penrith Panthers? Well, obviously, Ivan, um, Nathan Cleary with his kicking game. But, yeah, as you're saying, just off the cuff, definitely Dylan Edwards. He's just always there. He knows where the ball's going. Obviously, fit enough to get himself in, in space. And he's very good. Will yeah. he get on the kangaroo tour, Steve? I mean, there's a lot that have pulled out, isn't there? I mean, if he has a blinder on Sunday night, how could Mal leave him out? I was going to say that... Well, that's an interesting question there. And I, and sorry to interrupt you, but I also think about Nico Hines. He's won the Dally M. Is he a chance of going on? Or well, is he a chance of missing out? Well, he has to, to the point? Be, because he won the Dally M by a record margin. The other thing, too, is I think this Penrith combination of Cleary and also Jerome Luai, boy, they remind me of Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly back in the day because you've got a halfback that controls everything. But then you've got a running 5'8". That, I mean, that's one thing about Jerome Luai. How, how often do you see him close to the line where you overcommit yep. and he just burns you? Well, it's a really good comparison, Steve. I, you know, I never thought about those combinations, but you know what? It's a good comparison between Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly... Uh, and the combination we're going to see for the Penrith Panthers. Laurie's probably more powerful. Yes, I agree. Um, but, you know, the skill factor that they both have, and, you know, I would say probably Cleary is probably more dominant in terms of his game management uh, than Ricky Stewart, and, you know, you're probably splitting hairs there. But nevertheless, uh, it's a great comparison. Uh, Bluey, I guess from your end, um, Moses and Brown, they've had big years this year. What do they do to get on top of this uh, cleary Luai combination? Well, I think for Parramatta, and like I said earlier, it's all about the offloads. It's all about them guys getting second-phase ball with disruptive defence lines and, and having a go. They're both good at just having a go and seeing what's in front of them and just taking the teams on. Gee, I like what you said too. Play not to lose. And, yeah. you know, I hope they're not overawed. I hope they're nice and relaxed and just, you know, play with gusto and take it on and, mm. you know, and there'll be a wave of support for them. I'm really interested to see what the mix is in the stadium. But if the Blue and Gold Army turn out in force, you know, they could have maybe 60, 40 in terms of fans in the stadium. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are. Look, I think it's probably going to be pretty even, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, fans have come out in their numbers uh, to try and get 
you know, a spot at this uh, grand final. Uh, they're both very well-supported teams. Uh, Bluey, we're going to be down there, mate. We're going to be cheering on the mighty blue and gold. And, of course, we've got the NRLW uh, where the Parramatta side take on it, Newcastle. Is Bluey a face paint guy? Oh, he could be anything. He could be anything. <laughs> oh, who knows? See, mate, who would know? Who would know? <laughs> I'm going to stick to the mid-strength beers, put it that way. <laughs> and and can Buttes get you some VIP access into the change rooms or back of the footy club afterwards? Uh, that's what we'll be aiming for. I've got to yeah, talk, talk yeah. to my mate Buckets and see what we can do about yeah. getting uh, access after Buttes the game. Will, Buttes will be at the, uh, the velvet rope, that red rope, yeah. and he'll be saying, don't you know who I am? <laughs> you do know he knows more people than anyone on the Central Coast. Oh, please, he's, please. He's got some pulling power. Yeah. All right, Bluey, uh, hope you enjoy the weekend, mate. Uh, good luck to Parramatta, and let's hope they can break that drought. I've got a quick question for you, Steve. Yeah, fire away. Grand final number what? 24. So I 24. Mi- so good I missed effort. last year because of COVID, and it was up in Brisbane. But uh, if I count 1997, a Super League year, yep. 24. So quarter yeah. of a century of being there on the big night. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I get to work he's with him every week, mate. I'm very, He's come very a long fortunate. way since the young athlete at um, Gold Coast, hasn't he? <laughs> Has he what, mate? The champion from Palm Beach, Corumban. Yeah, well, you, right. you would have enjoyed the earlier segment where we were talking about Elliot Chipkogi breaking the breaking the marathon world record, his own marathon world record. Yep, two hours, one minute and nine seconds. I've been listening all morning, boys, so I know what's going on. All right, he's all over it. <laughs> great to have you all on. Right. Great to have um, you on, mate. I'll see you on Sunday, Michael, and have fun, um, Steve, with your announcing. Thanks, mate. Saturdays on the coast on SEM. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, celebrating their 60th anniversary, a third-generation family company, and also McDonald Jones Homes. Have a great weekend. Take care on the roads. Of course, it is double demerits right across the long weekend. And just before we go... Shout out to Terrigal and also Kalani for an epic men's first grade grand final last week in Central Coast football. Terrigal down 3-1, come back to win 4-3. So congratulations to their club and also Kalani, undefeated champions. That's the first time a team has gone undefeated in around about three decades. So well done to both teams. And you might out worthy winners in the women's first grade. So congratulations to all the premiers in Central Coast football. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you next Saturday on SEN.